BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Let's begin with phase one. This Ben Jarofsky show, Benny J bonus interview is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, and the Chicago Reader. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky show as I speak. It's Wednesday, February 24th, 2021. The headline in the newspaper, I'm just going to randomly read the headline in the newspaper. So if you're listening to this 10 years from now, you know what was going on in the world. From today's Chicago Tribune, defenders of capital cast blames for failures. Officials say January 6th riot not anticipated due to lapses in intelligence. I'll tell you who to blame for that. Donnie Trump. That's who you can blame for that. Don't get me started on how those Republicans let them off off the hook with that so-called acquittal in the impeachment trial. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. My distinguished guests are like, wait a minute. Is he going to ask me about Donnie Trump and the impeachment? I wasn't prepared for that. No, no, no. No fears. Just a momentary tangent. All right. Distinguished guests, as I do with distinguished guests for every show, I ask my distinguished guests to introduce themselves. I got three. So how am I going to do this time? I'll tell you. I thought it over while I was eating a delicious sandwich before I went on the show. And I decided I would do it in alphabetical order. So... Distinguished guest whose first initial is A, introduce yourself. Well, thank you, Ben. Uh, I'm a state representative, Anna Moeller. I represent the 43rd district, uh, which includes most of Elgin, Carpentersville, a little bit of uh, South Elgin, East ND, and Barrington Hills. Uh, I've been in the house since 2014. And uh, very pleased to be with you today to talk about repealing the Parental Notification Act. So thank very you for hosting this. Absolutely. Uh, guest whose initial letter is M, introduce yourself. Thanks, Ben. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I am Melissa Wyden. I'm an attorney um, and an activist um, for reproductive rights. Uh, I have been a longtime board member of Personal PAC, which is a leading Illinois political action committee that raises money to elect pro-choice candidates to state and local office. Um, I was board chair for many years and had the, the distinct pleasure of working closely with Terry Cosgrove um, on for you know to advance and promote reproductive freedoms, reproductive justice for the women of Illinois. Um, I'm also a volunteer attorney with the ACLU's Judicial Bypass Coordination Project, which is a program put together by the ACLU of Illinois to help uh, make sure that um, young people who are subject to the requirements of the Parental Notice Act um, and who are not able to inform a parent that they need an abortion, that they uh, can get 
uh, representation, legal representation, and file a petition in court. I'll be happy to give you more detail about that. But I've been volunteering um, since 2013 when the law went into effect, and I've represented um, over 30 um, young people as clients. All right. Thank you very much, Melissa. And finally, we already alluded to him, the man, the myth, the legend, whose name begins with a T. Introduce yourself. Well, I am certainly not worthy to be on this show with two of my biggest heroes, Anna Muller and Melissa Wyden. Uh, thank you very much for all you do uh, to advance reproductive rights in Illinois. It is so important. And um, and um, I'm president and CEO of Personal Pack, have been for 32, 33 years now. And, um, you know, Melissa and Anna were such a critical part of HB40. Ben, you know what that is. Your friend Bruce Rauner got involved with that. And, and, uh, and then the Reproductive Health Act, uh, two of the, you know, monumental pieces of pro-choice legislation, not only in Illinois, but across the country. And these two women worked tirelessly to get that done. And I want to thank them and... Like I said, I am not even, I shouldn't even be in their shadow. That's how much I admire them. So. All right. And uh, you also failed to introduce yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Terry Cosgrove. Uh, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, but you knew that anyway. All right. Uh, this is, yes, as uh, Melissa and Anna mentioned, that we're going to be discussing parental notification. And I'm going to give a shout out before we begin uh, to my mom, my late departed mom, who I love dearly. Um, Anna and Melissa and Terry, you, probably, you don't know this. Terry may know this because I've had many conversations with my mother was a, uh, had mixed feelings about abortion. Like, I think she was personally opposed to it, but she was a fierce advocate, Anna Muller, a fierce advocate for women having the right to choose. So like, you could talk to her about getting abortions because you shouldn't get an abortion. But you, but then if you'd like try to take away a woman's right to have an abortion, man, she'd be lining up against you. And I'll tell you this, parental notification, Anna Muller, my mom's attitude was this. The parent wasn't there when the girl got pregnant. That was that was some old school Mama Jarofsky advice. The parent wasn't there when the girl got pregnant, so I don't know why the parent should be there with the girl decides to get an abortion. Uh, that's my shout out to my dear mom, uh, and I had to do that before uh, I open with you. Why don't you explain exactly what your bill is, what it would do, and why you think it's necessary? Go ahead. Well, thank you, Ben. And uh, your mom would have been a hero as well. Uh, she She's exactly right. She trusts women. She trusted women uh, to make the best decisions for them for themselves and their families. And uh, that's a that's exactly, you know, what we what we believe and what we value here in Illinois. Uh, the, the Parental Notification Act is is. Uh, the, the bill that I'm sponsoring, House Bill 1797, uh, re repeals the Parental Notification Act, uh, which was a law that was created, you know, back in the bad old days when we were still um, as a state not trusting women, not trusting young people to make the best decisions for themselves. It was passed back in 1995, um, but didn't go into effect until 2013, as Melissa alluded to. So it's really only been in effect for about eight years um, in Illinois. And, and basically what it does is it requires a health care provider to notify a parent um, before per performing an abortion um, on a young person, someone younger than 18. 
And uh, this is a bad law uh, for, for many reasons. Um, one is it forces, uh, it, it, it forces many young people um, into pregnancy uh, to carry a, an, a, an unwanted pregnancy or, or you know, extend an unwanted pregnancy. Um, it, it puts young people at danger of abuse, of homelessness, of loss of financial support, um, you know, when they are in a situation where they don't have supportive parents or supportive guardians in their life. Um, it forces a young person to have to go to court um, to extend an unwanted pregnancy, to have to uh, find a way to, uh, to an attorney, um, to find a way to court to uh, publicly explain why um, she is in the situation she's in um, in order to seek the medical and health care that she feels is best for herself. Um, so this law, this, this bill that's been introduced last week would repeal that law and would return Illinois um, to, the, to the position we were in before it was uh, implemented or enacted back in 2013 and give young people the ability to make the decisions um, for themselves on these issues. All right, thank you very much, Anna. And uh, you mentioned that the bill was passed in 1995. Uh, Terry, why don't you give us a little context of what the world was like, politically speaking, in the state of Illinois that led to the passage of this bill? Sure, I'd be glad to. I was around in 1995 for it. And um, the first thing I wanna mention is that um, this is a law a bill, um, the original bill, was in search of a problem. There was no problem. There was not a single reported situation anywhere in the press or by anyone when this bill was brought up about from a, a complaint from a parent who thought that their young daughter um, had gotten an abortion without their involvement or without their permission. The system was working just fine. And what happened is a bunch of anti-choice extremists um, were in the General Assembly, decided that, that PNA is part, part of a broad menu of horrible, dangerous restrictions on abortion. It's no different than, than 48 or 72 hour waiting periods. It's no different than denying Medicaid funding. It's no different than, um, than any of the other forced ultrasounds. I mean, it's part of the ant national anti-choice agenda. So the law was introduced, and I know for a lot of your Democratic listeners and a lot of people find this hard to believe, we actually had a bipartisan pro-choice coalition in the Illinois House in 1995. We had 14 pro-choice Republican state representatives, and we had seven pro-choice Republican um senators um so the bill barely passed in fact on the day that um that the vote took place we thought we had the votes to defeat it and two people who were no's ended up voting for the bill so it barely passed so that was 1995 and then i won't go into the long history but basically there were um court challenges and the bill wasn't joined the law wasn't joined uh up until six years ago then the supreme court finally agreed to lift the injunction and it went into effect six years ago. And so after that, um, Melissa and other attorneys were recruited to serve on the judicial bypass uh, uh, network in order to help uh, young women. And since then, you know, we've only seen the, you know, the horrors of this law. I mean, there are so many examples. Melissa can talk about some of them, but um, Allison Coward, who's a, who's a physician, 
you know, she talks about um, the circumstances of the women that she see, young women that she sees. Uh, one um, said that she would be a victim of an honor killing. Another saw her older sister thrown out of the house when her parents found out she was pregnant. So the list goes on and on about all the horrible circumstances that uh, young women, young people find themselves in as a result of this law. So now, um, now that we've repealed, uh, bringing us up to date, now that we um, had House Bill 40, now that we've had the RHA, this is the final brick that needs to be taken out of the anti-choice agenda. And to underscore the PNA part of this, um, this is going on in other states. For example, in the state of Florida, and I I think there's a misguided um, belief by some members of the Illinois General Assembly that there is a certain number of restrictions you can give the anti-choicers and they'll just say, oh, we're going to go away. And the example I use is in state after state, it started out with being a 24-hour notice. For Now the state of Florida has turned that into a 48-hour one-parent um, uh one parent um, has to sign off on it. So it's not just a notice. It's a, they have to have permission to do it. Now they're going back and they're turning it into a 72 hour mandatory that both parents have to sign an affidavit that they're approving of it. So, so the barriers that they keep putting up, it's like the waiting periods. First it was 24 hour waiting period before a positive pregnancy test and abortion. Then it's 48 hours, then it's 72, then it's 96. And I often joke about waiting periods. Well, joke is the right word. I put this in quotes. Why not just wait the waiting, make the waiting period nine months because that's what you really need. You want to prevent every woman under every circumstance for all time of getting an abortion. So PNA is part of the national anti-abortion strategy, and that's why we need to get rid of it on, on top of its um, the harm that it causes. All right, now let's talk a little bit about the practical implications if we don't get rid of uh, the uh, this law. And Melissa, why don't you weigh in on this? You've mentioned a couple times judicial bypass. Explain what that means. Right. Uh, so the law contains an exception for um, minors, young people who cannot tell their parent or an, another adult family member that they need an abortion. And that's called the judicial bypass, which essentially means that the minors um, have to go to court. They actually have to file a petition. They have to appear in person in court and they have to testify to a judge and a court reporter um, about why they can't have an abortion, why they can't tell a parent about it. Um, it is an incredibly traumatizing process. Um, and that is sort of, if the law remains into, in effect, that's the status quo. Right now, if a young person finds out that she's pregnant, knows that she can't tell a parent, um, she has to go to court. And as I said, this the whole this this whole notion of going to court is exactly the opposite of what a young person at this moment in time, when she is struggling, she's in a crisis. She does not have support from an adult family member. She should not be forced to go to court because court involves consulting with a lawyer. So that would be me. 
or another lawyer who is trained to represent um, young people, explaining to that lawyer all of these incredibly intimate and personal details about your life and your relationship with your family and how you came to be pregnant. Um, it involves then um, going to court and repeating all of this to a judge. It, you know, and going to court is not, you know, a sort of an easy thing for a minor to do. There's transportation issues. There's getting out of school or getting away from home unnoticed. I mean, all of these are all stressful situations that um, that could could cause great harm to to the young person because the reason why a young person would go through this event is because the option of telling a parent is so uh, is 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 so terrible is so frightening is so wraught with danger for her that that she just she can't do it and Terry mentioned some of the reasons Anna mentioned some of the reasons and I can tell you from working with young people in this situation it is remarkable how these people these young people are so convinced they understand what faces them what they will be subjected to if they actually have to have an honest conversation with their parents about their pregnancy and about the abortion. You know, we all want our kids to share with us things like this, right? When, 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 uh, you know, I'm, a, I have two teenage daughters, of course, if my daughters were in crisis, if they were going through something like this, I would want them to share it with me. But the reality is that, that 70% at least 70% of young people do involve a parent in a decision like this. It's the other 30% that this law is really, really, those are the people who are really harmed by this law. So let me get this straight. Uh, If a a teenager gets pregnant uh, and goes to get an abortion, that's where she's notified that she got has to get it. It's it's the abortion provider that because I'm, I'm most I presume very few teenagers know the law by heart, uh, so right. they would they and right. so at that point, mm-hmm. at that clinic where they're face to face for the first time with uh, a doctor or a nurse or whatever, mm-hmm. that is where the teenage girl learns that she needs to get a parent, parental notification. At which point she says, "I can't possibly." talk to my mom or dad about this. Oh my God, are you kidding me? Is, is that when the uh, healthcare provider says, all right, you got to get yourself a lawyer to go to court. Is that where she learns about it officially? Yeah. So, so the ACLU has done an excellent job of making this as seamless as possible for the young people, for the healthcare providers, but they've, they have established a hotline. So when the, when the doctor who is now put into this position of, of enforcing this law, when the doctor um, says to the patient, I understand, you know, I understand you've made a decision to have an abortion. You're going to have to notify your parents. And if that young person says, I can't do it, then the um, doctor says, call this hotline number and they will um, and they will connect you with the lawyer and help guide you through the process. So so fortunately, we we do have a process that supports the teens. There are many states that don't. We are very, very fortunate here that we do have support for our teens. But I really cannot um, overstate the 
the the harm and the stress and the trauma that these young people go through going to court. It is, you know, I have seen it firsthand. It's, um, this is a terrible law, you know, under the guise of, oh, we're going to help protect teens, right? We're going, we want to encourage teens to talk to their parents. Um, this does none of that. All this does is, is cause delays in care. All this does is, is, put young people into a frightening and stressful situation and potentially causes them, you know, causes them to go forward with pregnancies that they, that, that they really aren't prepared um, to, ha- to have. All right, Anna Muller, you're a state representative from uh, the Elgin area. Mm-hmm. So you're the one sponsoring uh, this legislation. Obviously, it's something you believe in or you wouldn't put your, your uh, name on it. So what do you say to the constituents in Elgin who come to you and go, listen, State Representative Mueller, I'm the one in charge of my kid's future. You can't tell me what, uh, how I have to behave with my daughter and uh, stay out of my life. What's your response to that re- reaction from people who are against this bill? Go ahead. Well, and I, I would say, you know, that we want young people to go to their parents and, and seek the support that they need, you know, when they're faced with these kinds of decisions. We want healthy uh, families. We want healthy communication between young people and their parents. Um, and this bill doesn't change any of that. Unfortunately, there are children or there are young people and there are families that are, uh, that are dysfunctional or, uh, you know, where there are no parental supports, uh, where, uh, where a young person would feel um, that they would be putting themselves in danger if they if they had that conversation uh, with a parent or another adult family member. Um, you know, Terry touched on the story that uh, Dr. Cowett uh, wrote about in the Sun Times a couple weeks ago. I, you know, a young person who would face a potential mercy killing um, if if she had to reveal her pregnancy to her parents. Now, that's not the majority of cases. Uh, Most young people do go to their parents when they are faced with this type of uh, a situation. Um, But where that's not possible, this law that exists right now uh, puts these young people in jeopardy, and it jeopardizes their their health, uh, their mental health, uh, their relationships with, with other family members. Um, it, it's just there's just nothing positive about requiring a young person who knows, who has the um, understanding that that they would be putting um, themselves in jeopardy if they had to inform their parent, putting them through the process of going to court, finding an attorney and extending an unwanted pregnancy. So, you know, that, oh, so, so, so that, and that's what, you know, that's, that's how I explain it to people who, um, who have concerns ab- about, you know, getting in the way of, per- of parent relationships with their, 
with their young people. Yeah. You know, Ben, I thank you, Anna. And, you know, I want to point out that we're not the only ones that are opposed to this law. Every single established medical organization and child advocacy organization Mm -hmm. in the entire United States and in Illinois is opposed to this, including the conservative American Medical Association has come out against parental involvement laws. The Academy Academy of Pediatric Physicians is opposed to this. I mean, I could go down the line of every single organization. So this is not an invention that we're making up that this this law is a problem there are, it has been studied over time it has been proven again and again you know and for i mean we're melissa is talking about the young women that actually make it to the judicial bypass project and that in itself takes uh you know i you know, I'm a pretty assertive person, but when I get called for jury duty and I have to march over there, you know, I'm, I'm making sure I'm sitting upright. I'm not doing anything wrong. You know, I cannot imagine, I'm being honest here. I cannot imagine a 15 year old or a 16 year old going to meet a complete stranger. Now I know that Melissa Wyden is one of the kindest, nicest, wonderful people in the world, but for a strange 15 year old to see her for the first time and have to tell her the most intimate details of their life. And let's not forget that over 90% of cases of sexual assault and abuse are not reported, according to the FBI. So we don't know how many of these young, these young women are victims of incest, family incest, a neighbor, a relative. We do not know how violent their, you know, their their household is we do not know if they're comfort you know come from a family where there's alcoholism there's mental illness there i mean there's all kinds of circumstances that would um you know i have i put this in in quotes i have the honor of hearing many of the stories from melissa and the other bypass attorneys as well as the the doctors like uh, allison cowett and it amazes me. I just wish that the Illinois General Assembly could hear the stories that I hear about this from 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 all different corners of a, you know, for example, um, I'll never forget the day Melissa a few years ago called me at the office was so shaken because she had a 15 year old client that literally fell to her knees in the courtroom, sobbing, mm. saying, I can't take care of myself. Please don't make me have a baby. I mean, this is what we're doing to young women. This is this is the, the horror we're inflicting on them, not to mention those who don't who have no place to turn. Um, we already know that this the two main reasons for suicide among teenagers are unwanted pregnancy and being gay. I mean, why, why are we throwing gasoline on a fire that is already out there for potential abuse? And, and there's only one reason. This is what the extreme right-wing anti-abortion agenda is for the young women and for women writ large in this country. This is why this law is on the books. There is no other legitimate reason for it whatsoever. Um, so I, you know, from from my point of view, The only way that we're not going to repeal this is if everyone listening to your show right now doesn't pick up their phone when they're done and call their state representative and I don't or and state senator. And I don't care how pro-choice or anti-choice you think they are. They need to hear from you. There needs to be a statewide outcry from good hearted 
fair-minded people in this state to tell the, every member of the Illinois General Assembly that we want this bill repealed, yet, this law repealed yesterday, and they and and people should sign on. Colleagues of Anna should sign on as co-sponsors, and that we really need to get this done. And it and it's not going to go away. We are not going to give up. If anyone thinks that that this is that you know somehow we're that fair-minded people are going to go away. We are going to keep fighting this just like we had to with HB 40 and with the RHA until we get this done. So let's just get it done. Make Illinois a very equitable, fair, and safe place for all young women in the state and all women. And this is what we'll do. And once we repeal parental notice, um, we're we're going to be 100% pro-choice state. This is going to be it. You know, so this is, you know, we got to get it done. And we need everyone listening to your show within the sound of Ben Jarofsky's voice <laughs> to do this tonight. Uh, uh, so, Anna, <laughs> I got to come back to you after what Terry said. Uh, how how effective is it uh, for a state rep to hear from constituents on an issue like this? And I understand what Terry is saying is absolutely the case on something like if it's an alderman and a zoning matter uh, and it's very local. But when you get into something like abortion, which is so tied up with religion and philosophy and personal belief, uh, how malleable is a state rep or a state senator uh, to phone calls from constituents. Take it away, Ben, before Anna mentions this, I am going to stop you. We have to stop with this drama over the issue of abortion. 84, uh, over 80% of Illinois voters think that abortion should be a private decision between a woman or a doctor. That's 54% of Republicans, most Catholics. We, we create this drama around it. Um, we know that close to a third of women have already had an abortion. This is health care. This is basic health care. And so I appreciate your... Um, your fear, and I know you're probably not happy I'm correcting you on your own show, but we really have to get out of this head case of, of promoting this as some emotional, for, the, for 99% of women, they know what they want to do when they get pregnant. Wait, hold Nobody on. thought about it. They, it were, Terry and- Cosgrove telling me what to say? Like, this is something new? <laughs> Terry Cosgrove telling me I'm wrong when I wasn't even remotely wrong? This is something new? Anna and Melissa, I've known this man since 1990. He hasn't stopped bossing me around from the day I met him. Okay? So well, don't act like that's a first. <laughs> okay. He is right. He is Anna, right. answer the question. <laughs> Go ahead. No, it's, uh, it's incredibly important that legislators hear from their constituents about these issues um, because we're going to hear from the opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're well-funded, they're, they're organized. They use that drama, you know, that Terry was just decrying. They use scare tactics, uh, you know, to try to um, create a persuasive argument. So we need to, we need everyone, you know, who, who believes in uh, reason and logic and fairness and equity and, and trusts women uh, to make the right decisions for themselves, you know, doesn't buy into the misogynistic um, arguments that, you know, somehow women are, are, are too feeble minded to, you know, 
make good decisions for themselves, that the government needs to dictate and regulate her body. Um, we need we need good people to reach out to their legislators and let them know that they support repealing this bill, this you know this act, and um, and that they'll be there to support them when they when they vote yes on House Bill seventeen ninety seven because um, you know. Legislators are very sensitive to the, the the concerns of their districts, so they need to hear from people. They need to hear. All right, that's a valuable lesson. Uh, lesson learned, young Terrence. All right, hey, I have a question for Melissa, uh, and it has to do with the, the legal uh, issues here. Uh, have the courts, and excuse my ignorance for not knowing the answer to this question, but have the courts made rulings and decisions uh, that are intended to, quote, unquote, empower parents uh, on this matter that, like, declare some kind of constitutional right that a parent has to know whether uh, his or her daughter is about to have an abortion. Has this, uh, has, have there been any uh, important decisions on this matter in the last few years? Go ahead. Um, no, there haven't been. And in fact, the law does just the opposite. The law makes it clear that minors, so young people under the age of 18 are perfectly competent to make a whole range of medical decisions on their own. So we know that a pregnant minor can decide independently whether to continue the pregnancy and give birth, which is, we know, a much more sort of involved procedure and potentially much riskier than um, an abortion. that uh, minors can consent to just in general riskier medical care, um, like a cesarean section. Um, They can place a child up for adoption. There's a whole range of medical procedures that minors can consent to without notifying their parents. This one procedure has been singled out, not because of the threat that it poses to young people, not not for any legitimate medical reason, but it's exactly what Terry said. It's because this is part of a larger effort, a nationally well-funded, well-coordinated effort to prevent women from exercising their legal right to, to safe abortions and to access the reproductive health care that they need. That is all this law is. There is nothing about it that, that protects young people in any way. Uh, and uh, Terry, I assume that uh, if it does pass, uh, we'll get into the uh, vote counting with uh, Anna in a little bit, but if it does pass in Illinois, uh, it's not like your work is over. I would assume that the other side is going to counterattack immediately with what, a law that would try to uh, nullify it or uh, or a, a court case that would try to nullify it do, but no. do you agree with me that the yeah, they will counterattack? Yeah. Oh, ben, you are completely right, as always. Wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get that on tape? Uh, <laughs> In fact, to that point, last night I was scrolling through the litany of anti- Anna. I don't know if you've seen all the anti-choice oh, yes. bills that have been filed. In fact, there's one state representative, and I don't understand this, who actually filed three separate bills that say the exact same thing to repeal the RHA. I have never said, I've never seen, in fact, I emailed Kelly Cassidy last night and I said, maybe you should refile the RHA three times as a counter. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that bizarre. So, yeah. so 
in fact, there's, I didn't count them up, but th- let's put it this way. I didn't have enough toes and fingers to count up the number of anti-choice bills yeah, that have yeah. been filed this week in the Illinois General Assembly. And trust me, the day that um, this law, this bill is signed into law by Governor Prisker, there will be a, ba- a bill to repeal yeah. it. Just like there was a bill and a lawsuit to peel HB, repeal HB 40, right. there was a several lawsuits by Peter Breen and um, and several, many bills, almost uncountable, to repeal the RHA. And it's only, uh, you know, February 24th. Um, so um, I'm sure, yeah, that is absolutely sure. Which means, you know, you bring up a really good point because there, I think there's a, a lot of people are misled that we're going to get to a point where the anti-choice movement is just going to like go away. They're just mm-hmm. going to, they're going to fold and they're going to go away. And the reality is they have spent the last uh, 40 plus years um, working to overturn Roe v. Wade. They are almost there. There will be, you know, there's 17 um, cases right now in the judicial pipeline that will give um, Amy Coney Barrett and the antitrust majority a perfect opportunity uh, to make abortion inaccessible um, across the country in those states that have not stood up to them, like Illinois, with the Reproductive Health Act. And there will be, you know, this is going to be an ongoing battle, which is why it's so important that we do this. And then at the same time, we empower the next generation of young people to step forward, to be ready to defend the, the next, uh, the next chapter of this, because throughout history, there's always backlash to, um, to any progress that's made. Um, you know, I won't give you a whole lecture, history lecture on that, but we all know it's true. And we just suffered through four years of backlash, uh, to the progress that was made, um, prior to, uh, 2016, and now we're recovering from that. And I hope people don't think, oh, because this has happened before. When Bill Clinton was elected and appointed Ruth Bader Ginsburg to the Supreme Court, everyone was, okay, it's all over. That's fine. Ruth is on the court. Bill Clinton's president. Look what happened. And then you, Barack Obama won. It was the same thing. He appointed Sotomayor and Kagan. And, oh, everything's fine. Uh, you know, we can all pack our bags and go home. We never have to worry about choice again or a bunch of other issues. And look what we got. So it's a, democracy is fragile. Democracy is a garden that constantly needs to be tended to. It needs to be watered. It needs to pay be paid attention to. And I I think that's so important that people get that, that we're, you know, we're in this for a lifetime and there's no, and there's no greater thing to stand up for. What's more important than our freedom and our liberty and our democracy. And I just want to add one thing to that is that, you know, this just reminds us all that elections matter, no Mm -hmm. matter what we do with PNA repeal. And we, we are going to get it done this session. All it takes is for us to lose a pro-choice majority in the Illinois House or the Illinois Senate in 2022, in 2024, and every single election, reproductive rights are on the ballot. And so no, we can work so hard to make, to pass laws like House Bill 40 and the RHA that have such significant implications on women's lives that help so many people. And all of that progress can be lost in one election. So we all need to keep that in mind um, 
when we vote, why we vote and who we vote for. And, and just remember what's at stake, no matter what, no matter what progress we make in the legislature, it can all be gone if we lose the votes. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll go one step further. This is beyond this particular issue of abortion. This is the Democrats made this mistake in 2009. Terry knows what I'm about to say. He's heard me say it a million times. They were so happy they elected Barack Obama. They went to sleep. Oh, you do it. You're, we, our work is done. And then they woke up in 2010 and the Republicans controlled the House. Tea Party movement was well uh, right. on its way to electing Donnie Trump president. So Democrats, you fall asleep uh, and you pay for it. Right. Uh, and, and, and kind of go ahead. backing on that, too. And, you know, we've real we've we've quickly learned over the last few years that abortion rights are not federal rights. These are important rights that need to be protected at the state level. Thank and I think you. people, you know, kind of missed that. Um, and, you know, it was really important that we passed passed the RHA in Illinois, because if we hadn't and Roe is overturned at the you know, Supreme Court, it would, you know, abortion would be illegal in Illinois. And right now, you know, women in Wisconsin are vulnerable. Women women in Missouri are vulnerable. In Indiana, all of our bordering states, because they don't have state protections for access to reproductive health care. All right, Anna, we'll close down with this. What are this the, the practical uh, deadlines and datelines ahead of us. Uh, so you introduced the bill in the House. I presume it has to be introduced in the Senate. When will right. the debate take place? When do you think a vote will happen? Give us that kind of a uh, backdrop. Sure. Well, I, it's my understanding that uh, uh, Senator Sims um, is going to be introducing the same bill in the Senate this week. And, uh, and, and the bill will uh, be considered in the Senate first. Um, so it'll go through the process uh, it will have to get out of committee um, somewhere towards the end of March um, in the Senate, beginning of April, um, go through you know floor votes um, in the Senate in early April, and then it'll come over to the House. Um, the legislature adjourns March or May 31st. So we have uh, you know only a, a few months uh, to get this through the whole process and to Governor Pritzker's desk. Um, but um, so that's why everyone needs to, as Terry uh, made the pitch earlier, needs to get on the phone, um, on their computer, sending emails, messages to their senators and, and state reps that they support this bill and that it's very important that uh, that we get this passed through the General Assembly before May 31st. Do, do you have a sense, uh, uh, General, what the vote will be? Have you counted your votes yet? Uh, well, we... Um, you know, we are fortunate that we have a supermajority of uh, Democrats in both the House and Senate because, as Terry mentioned before, you know, looking at the history, we can no longer count on Republicans to uh, stand up for women or support women's um, access to reproductive health care. We will not have any Republican support uh, for this bill in either the House or the Senate. Um, and we, there, it, you know, and we do have um, some in my, the Democratic caucus uh, who uh, are still learning about this bill, um, you know, maybe um, hearing from constituents who are confused about uh, what this bill does. Um, because again, the opposition is very organized, well-funded. They use scare tactics. They use misleading information. 
um, when they're reaching out to legislators. So we're going to have to do some education and and um, we have a great you know team of advocates, uh, the best I think in the country, um, standing up for for reproductive health care. So I'm, I'm not worried. Um, but we're you know it's going to take some work uh, working with colleagues over the next several weeks. Uh, to ensure that everyone understands why this bill is important and why this benefits the state of Illinois and young people in Illinois. All right, very good. Uh, so it is House Bill 1797, and I know uh, Terry Cosgrove will be banging a drum for it uh, in the next few weeks, probably bring him on the show to talk. I know what I'm going to bring him on to talk about, Anna Muller and Melissa, and I'm not going to bring you guys into this. We're going to have a fair map discussion. Oh, okay. Okay, and because... What? Fair? What's fair? <laughs> I, I can draw a fair map. I, you want me to draw a, a map? I'll yeah. draw a map. <laughs> you think you can get Terry Cosgrove fired up when he talks about uh, abortion rights? Get him talking about "quote unquote" fair maps. Uh, so you know try- what? You know, Ben. I suggest that we and all the other fair maps people move to Ohio and draw their fair maps, and then once that's accomplished, <laughs> there you go. Then we come back to Illinois and all other forty-nine states. How's that? No, yeah. After Ohio, go to Michigan. After yeah. Michigan, go to Wisconsin. Exactly. Then go, go down to Indiana. Exactly. I'm with yeah. Terry 100%. This is one thing where Terry and I see eye to eye. But I was what? just thinking, uh, when, when Anna, when you were talking about the ramifications of, like, future elections, it, you could draw that map in such a way that you turn a, uh, the House of Representatives from pro-choice to anti-choice. And you could do that with a computer. So just a little warning there about a very important issue that's right around the corner. All right. Melissa Wyden, Terry Cosgrove, Anna Muller, thank you so much uh, for taking time to talk to us about this important issue. House Bill 1797. Take care, everybody. Thank, thank you. you, Ben. Thank you Take so care. much, Ben. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.